So you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with your sermon later right here on this Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. We're still going to miss out on some of the things that we think are important about church, like gathering with community and inspiring music and all of those kinds of things. We won't be able to give you any cookies through the podcast, but we'll give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts, perfect preachers, or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started the podcast so if you're away from home, or working, or snowed in, or just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on su- one of us gave on Sunday. And whatever day it is that you're listening to this, we hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we encourage you to keep those minds and hearts open because we don't expect you to believe or to agree with everything that we say. Our sincere hope is simply that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. Joy! Yeah. It's it's the third Sunday of Advent, and we get the, in my congregation, we have the pink candle. The pink candle, because you've got purple the rest of the time. Because we got purple the rest of the time. Which is purple for repentance, right? And then pink for joy. For joy. And it's this, like, little, little spark of joy in the midst of what historically has been a very repentant season. Yes. Right? A, a, a season where we're, we're, we're looking deeply at things. And I said to my congregation, it was a lot more like Lent than it is now. Now. Yeah, now... The Christmas songs start creeping in. Yeah, I've given up the fight. <laughs> ben, ben instituted at his church nine lessons and carols in Advent, the fourth Sunday before, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, fourth, fourth Sunday of Advent. And, uh, but his priest, the Episcopal priest that he works for is like, oh, no, 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 no. So it's Advent lessons and carols, oh, no. which is way more depressing. It's a lot of in the bleak midwinter. <laughs> Winter, and right. no. I mean, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is about as close as you get to. Yeah. Well, and I learned something this year that I had not learned. This is not necessarily just about joy, but I think it does. It, it gives me a little joy that, you know, the rest of the story, so to speak. The reason purple and or blue, because blue is also penitential. Uh-huh. Um, blue is hope. No, but it's supposed to, like, like where it comes from anciently, oh, like, why, why you might have ended up with, is that black dye, even to this day, hard to get a dye that stays black, because, uh-huh. you know, you know how your black clothes fade over time? Yeah. And in the early days of the church, in the medieval times, there was nothing that would stay black, and so you would get to Easter, or you would get to Lent or Advent, and your robes would either be purple or they would be blue. Oh, interesting. Depending on how the dye had, what dye had been used to make. Ladies and gentlemen, lips. your moment of nerd with Susan Foster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but I just think that's really funny because I think it's it's another example of how in the church we we like, like ascribe meaning to things, things that were that, very practical. That were very practical. Were very practical. And why are there candles in the front of the church? Because they literally couldn't see in the dark. <laughs> And now we say, oh, well, they represent the presence of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. And there's two of them because there's one is divinity and one is humanity. And, one is, and it's like, uh, no, they couldn't and see. And I have six. What are you talking about? Yeah, like they couldn't see in the front of the church. So anyway. And they couldn't find a true black. The scriptures this, this morning come from Isaiah and from Luke. And Luke is the, is the song that Mary sings. Yes, and we call that the Magnificat. Magnificat. 
And uh, Isaiah is, is another one of those passages where, he's, where, where Isaiah is preaching about the freedom of the people and that God will save and, mm-hmm. and all these things. And he draws a picture of what that will look like. So, okay. so it's from there. After hearing those two scriptures, I asked my congregation how many of them knew who Marie Kondo was. Ooh, I know who Marie Kondo is. Yeah. So we, if, use, we use her last name as a verb now. Yeah. Did you condo that? Did you condo it? Yeah. yeah. And so she wrote the book of the, the Something Joy of Tidying Up, is what she calls it, yeah. right? The book. So basically, she has written a book and has a, has a TV series on Netflix that describes a way, a, a pattern, a plan for clearing the unnecessary things out of your life. Yes. That we're all care- we all have things in our house that kind of this this creep that like we end up with stuff. And so she has you pull the first thing she has you do is pull all your clothes out of your closet and out of your drawers and pile them on your bed and then you pick each one up and if it gives you joy you keep it and if it doesn't spark joy you can you thank it for its service and you either donate it or throw it away. Yes. Depending on its level of thing, right? Yeah. And she does that with everything, right? Your books, you take them all off the shelves, you wake them up, and then you hold each one and decide which ones you're going to keep and which ones, because they give you joy, and which ones you don't want to keep. And Oh, that's dangerous, because for you and me, we keep all the books. We keep all the books, right? But she has you do this with everything. I find it fascinating, because I, I love the concept, right? I yes. like like the idea of like appreciating what you have and, and taking the intentional knowledge of what you're what's occupying your space and mm-hmm. I think both of us enjoy the a good sort out I like a good purge you know when when Ben and Emmy moved into my house this year uh, I thought we were gonna have to get rid of all of the bookshelves right and they, that was a heart wrench for me because my dad built them and and stained them and did all the stuff to them and they're kind of cool bookshelves but I thought you know it's just not gonna with everybody else's stuff and okay. I need to make room for other people like it's just not gonna fit so I got rid of so many books and then it turns out we changed the way that we were gonna lay out the house. And we kept the bookshelves, and all my books are gone. But then it's permission <laughs> to buy new ones. Yes. Well, it's fascinating, as in so many things, when you write a book, you kind of have to, and you're, you're producing a new theory. You kind of go all the way, right? Yes. Like, yeah, it's an extreme version. You, it's always an extreme version. And, and her book is definitely an extreme version. But she did this Netflix series. And I highly recommend watching it if you thought that it would be too overwhelming. It's 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 actually delightful, in my opinion. I just feel like it's going to be too inspiring. And then I'm going to spend the rest of my life cleaning my house. And I no. don't want to do that. It's okay. It's okay. okay. I found it. I did find it somewhat inspiring. Uh-huh. But as you can evidence by my house. You're, I you've actually, not condoed. <laughs> I have not condoed. I have not condoed my stuff. I have not condoed my parents' stuff. I have not par- condoed my grandparents' stuff. You know, nope. whatever. It's not been condoed. What happens in the when you watch the show is that you think, oh my gosh, it's going to be just overwhelming and people, right? Well, there are two things. First of all, she has to describe to people, first of all, what joy is. Oh. Which is really fascinating to me. Because she has to because I think almost every episode they're like, what do you mean by sparks joy yeah and she has a very cute adorable she's this very petite japanese woman who doesn't speak english and so she just (laughs) but she describes to people like like that it should spark something that there should be some emotion some connection right i think that's just really powerful right and then what i also appreciate about the about the television series is that um you see the before and after of people's houses Uh and it's not as if the the after is perfection and 
for things in the entire house. Right. It's not that minimalistic. It's not minimalistic. It's it's that, that she says, keep the things that give you joy, but don't keep the stuff that's keeping you from that joy. Uh-huh. And I just find that really powerful as we talk about joy, because I think sometimes we think about joy as being ephemeral. Uh-huh. Uh, that joy is something that we we can't seek. It just... It happens occasionally. It surprises us occasionally, yeah. right? And I describe some of those. I mean, and that is joy, right? Like there is sure. joy in those those moments. The harried, the harried little mother in line, and you play peekaboo with their baby. Yeah, and their giggle just fills the line for everyone. Sure, that's that's joy, right? And I told the story of how last week uh, on Friday, I was walking through the preschool, and it had been pretty rough morning already. And one of the little boys stopped me. He says, "Do you remember me?" And I said. Yes, I remember you, right? Because we had sat next to each other for the movie night on Wednesday night. Oh, wow. He's like, and my mom. I'm like, yes, and your mom, Uh right? But the the joy of that connection and that that he was getting in, that I had reappeared in his life and and that he now had a connection that I was somebody who was supposed to be there and that kind of thing. But, you know, sometimes we get joy from that beautiful sunrise or sunrise and I'm not, and I I don't want us to, to discount any of that joy. No, all right. of it works. And I asked people what, what joy they'd had that week. And there were some just some neat stories, right? Yeah. Some, just some neat, like, here's this and here's that, right? Our two scriptures are, are powerful experiences of joy that if you just look at the surface, if you just look at the circumstances, you might miss. Mm-hmm. Isaiah is painting a vision of hope, and we could have used that hope imagery two weeks ago when we talked about hope. But he doesn't just stop at hope. He paints a picture that that sort of glimmers on the page and fills you with, like, delight at the possibility. And sometimes we get so caught up that we miss the delight that is possible. Oh, yeah. The joy in anticipation. The joy in anticipation. The joy that comes in working towards something. Yeah. Because so oftentimes our faith journeys are about that, right? And it's a sense of accomplishment even. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, something really concrete like, hey, we're going to Disneyland and I'm going to save up money. And every 20 bucks that you put away is like... Yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. Well, and I, I listened to a podcast recently on oh, someone who retired at 48, mm-hmm. right? And how, how she had, like, they had, like, delayed some joy to uh-huh. have this joy. Yes. Right? And I think that's part of part of that, too, is that, like, we're in the midst of paying attention to that and making those choices, choices for abundance. Mm-hmm. Not just of money, but of time and of of a, te- a connection and abundance of of incarnation of mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Of, of you know, not just Jesus in the world, yeah. but us in Jesus in the living world. fully into the world. Yes. Yeah. The Isaiah passage uses the image of the desert blooming. Yes. And, and I and I said to folks in my in our context here in Reno, we we live in the desert. Uh-huh. Uh, I have folks who live sort of far out on the edges. You and I live in the green part. We of, live in the green part. We live by the river. But you know, my folks, some of my folks live really in the desert. And I said, hey, how many of you have heard? Why in the heck would you live in Nevada? Why would you live yes, in the desert? So many times, right? And like nearly every hand that went up in the room. And I said, but we know we're desert people. Yep. We understand that the desert is beautiful. And alive. And alive that causes us to look more closely. Uh-huh. And so, so Isaiah's image of the, of the desert coming alive 
is our experience all the time. Yeah. Well, and it reminds me of the super bloom that happened in Death Valley a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. And they happened around here every so often. We're coming to see the Mm -hmm. desert bloom. Right. And it was epic. But also, we enjoy the, the moment, the moment it changes from brown to green to brown again. Yeah. Because it's almost a moment. If you blink, you will miss it. Yeah. Well, but it's it, joyful. And it snows in the desert. And it snows. Those places we think are deserts, mm-hmm. metaphorically, <laughs> also have life and also have joy. And we're not waiting for joy to come. Yeah. So in Luke, we have this, this image of Mary's joy. Mm-hmm. If you go back in the first chapter of Luke, starting about the fifth verse, you can see how fear and joy are mixed in the story. Mm. There's often fear and joy kind of hand in hand or rubbing elbows at least. Right. Well, anticipation requires the unknown. Many of us in this room have experienced that too because we've ridden roller coasters. Of course. And there's the fear and then the joy. And I said, like when I took my godchildren this summer, you know, there was some anxiety about it. Are we really going to enjoy this? And then as soon as we hopped off, it was... Again. Adrenaline, adrenaline, <laughs> adrenaline, yeah. Adre- ad- no, just again. Yeah, again. Right? Um, and the joy of that. And, and Mary, in some ways, is saying the same thing. She says, I didn't know where this, I don't know where this road, roller coaster ride is taking me. Mm-hmm. But what I do know is that I am in the midst of something amazing. And I can be joyful even now. Yes. Um, Renita Weems, um, the author and theologian, said, has this quote from her book, Showing Mary. And it goes like this. It says, like you and me, Mary knows what it means to plan your life one way and to look up one day and find it heading in a totally different direction. And we go in that different direction and, and there is joy along the way. And so sometimes joy comes from those hard places. I mean, Mary's story is a great example. It was not the perfect time. It was not the perfect way. It was not... You know, her own for life. her or in history. It, for her or in history. And yet, Derek is joy in the midst of that and in the midst of her story. So, and the other thing that I think that why joy can't wait is that joy is one of those things that remind us that now is not forever. That's true. So joy is ephemeral in some ways. In some ways. But but I also mean that joy comes in the way, it comes in, into the, those hard places. Right. Uh, into our grief. We had a, the family of one of my, my leaders was in the congregation. She just died this week. They they were smiling because they also know that joy, right? The joy of 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 hearing another story that they hadn't heard before, mm-hmm. or and those kinds of things. And that joy also comes when we when we when we realize that we can be contented without the trappings, or that we have an awareness of where we're meant to be. Like, it can be a hard time, but we can find joy that we are where we are supposed to be. We are mindful of the the presence of God in that. And so we don't have to wait for it to be perfect. We don't have to wait for Christmas for joy. We It is around us. It is in our midst. Even as God's kingdom is not yet fully realized, there is joy. Heck yeah. I was uh, talking to some friends today about socks. And how socks appear in my house, uh-huh. usually not in pairs, but just everywhere uh, between yeah. couch cushions and on 
Ugh, yeah. on the coffee table is maybe my biggest pet peeve and all yeah. of these different places that socks appear mm-hmm. that socks do not belong socks are for feet feet go on the ground put your socks on the ground if you're too lazy to put them away but i just feel like my house is a highlights <laughs> magazine i spy version of find the socks right and i was i was talking to some friends about this and i was like why why, why do we do this and one of them sent me a video of her son spinning at like this Christmas event Mm -hmm. and he's like I'm gonna spin and he just spins and spins and spins and his little brother sees him and he starts spinning Spinning. too and he can't spin as fast as big brother but he's trying and he gets dizzy and then mom goes out and she starts spinning with the boys and it was just this moment of yeah joy and I know on the way there there were probably socks yes and when they get home there's probably socks but in the middle, yeah. they're spinning. Yeah. And well, and, think... and, and the other thing is, is that, that there's also joy in the socks. Even even as those things that annoy us and frustrate us, you can, you're also going, dang it, dang it, just pushing my button, just pushing that button. And it and, and, and calls you into the moment. I mean, like you can be all tied up and then you got to get back to socks. Back to socks. I have uh... some joy in that. I, I disagree about the joy of socks at the moment, but that's okay. We don't You'll all have get to there. agree with each other on You'll the podcast. You'll get there. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. No. I... It could be worse things, I'm sure. Oh, there there have been worse things in this house. There have been worse things that I have had to pick up off the coffee table and the floor. Yes. But that's okay. Anyway. Anyway. Just maybe the joy of telling that story someday. Yeah. And embarrassing whoever left the socks. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. And thanks to Susan for that sermon. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to what we've been talking about, you can catch us on Facebook at Sunday Morning Sleep In or at our website, sundaymorningsleepin.com, where you'll find the full archive of all of our episodes we've ever posted. Uh, The scripture uh, will be posted there as well, some links to the scripture so that you can follow along. And the theme music that you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. So it's traditional at the end of worship and and now at the end of this podcast to send you forth with a little bit of, of more wisdom, something smarter, something really, you know, pithy to make you feel smarter. But all I've got today, all I've got today is what can't wait. What can't wait is peace and what can't wait is hope and what can't wait is joy and what can't wait is love. God is ready here and now. Go find it. Amen. Amen.